Good afternoon and welcome back um, to our Disciplines of Discipleship series. This is our fifth segment and we're going to be focusing today on giving. And before I pass the mic to Sam for an opening prayer, I just wanted to summarize some of the points that have been made that I think are particularly powerful um, for those of you that may not have been able to join the earlier segments. Um, Pastors Andy and Sam have both stressed that, you know, fundamentally behind the notion of the spiritual disciplines is this idea of a way of being, not just a way of doing. And given our all of our dispositions to have kind of formulas and systems and structures and so on, I think it it presents us all with kind of a very interesting thought, which is how do we move from kind of almost a mechanical um, paradigm tied to the spiritual disciplines to something that is much more grounded in mystery and um, openness. Um, I think um, I really liked, um, Andy, your comment at the sermon this weekend on being open-hearted and open-handed. Um, so I think those are images and thoughts that might be useful for us to, to keep in mind today as, as we explore the notion of, uh, of giving. But let me, um, as I said, pass the mic to you, Sam, just for an opening prayer, and then we'll, uh, we'll begin our discussion. Gladly. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this beautiful day you have made. We pray that you would lead the discussion, that you would lead the words spoken, the topics raised, Lord. And we also ask for anyone who would listen to this, that they would hear from you, that this would illuminate their path and, um, Lord, make really alive the things they're learning and growing in their apprenticeship and discipleship to you. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Um, yeah, and if, if you don't mind, I'd love to, to um, I've been thinking since Sunday about a point that you made, right, which was kind of a counterintuitive point about, and for want of a better way of putting it, kind of the the potential false discipline of giving, right? I mean, there's there's kind of a shadow side and that maybe we need to look more openly and creatively about where that means, because I think we, we have touched on this issue of it's not about the act, it's also the place from which that act comes, right? The, 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 the heart-based um, anchoring of that whatever discipline we might be talking about and the intentionality behind it. I wonder if you could just explore that with us a little further because I, I saw some wonderfully um, twisted up faces on Sunday and I thought it might be fun to uh, just explore that further because um, I think it's very profound actually it's been kind of sitting on my heart um, since Sunday and I've been thinking about that quite quite a bit hmm. well I'll, I guess twisted faces is an indication <laughs> that people are awake and listening even out there in zoom land so that's a positive thing I guess um, <clears throat> yeah yeah um I mean, I think, I think that with all of these disciplines, kind of like you summed up at the beginning, we are trying to apprentice our hearts, right? We're trying to apprentice our hearts and, and out of the overflow of our hearts, apprentice our way of being in the world, our way of relating to others, um, our way of relating to God in a, in a manner that would echo uh, the way that uh, Christ's own way of being in the world looks to us on the pages of the gospels. Right. And, you know, it's impossible to imagine Jesus Christ 
feeling coerced into giving his cash for any purpose, right? <laughs> like, and it's impossible to imagine him feeling like <clears throat> when the, when a Pharisee or somebody like that says, you better pay up or else God's not going to bless you yeah. to have him giving into that kind of spiritual bullying. <laughs> um, but it's also impossible to imagine Jesus not living with an open heart and an open purse, so to speak, right? That he was very responsive to the needs of people around him and, uh, and lived, I think, an open-hearted, open-handed, open-walleted um, sort of existence that's worth emulation. Yeah. So with each of these disciplines, there's a, there's a temptation, like I'm, I'm prepping for the fasting, uh, sermon, uh, sermon this coming week. And once again, with fasting, there's this sense of like, there's a temptation to instrumentalize these disciplines and think that if we do them, then we get more of God's, uh, favor, love, action on our behalf. Like, and then the disciplines just become like a lever that we press to get something. And that, that kind of behavior is merely animal, right? <laughs> it's fear yeah, and threat and um, instinct and uh, routine. And then we come, we, we become Pavlov's dog that hears the, hears the bell and we start thinking our treat is coming and we salivate and all that. And the spiritual disciplines are meant to bring us out of mere animality, <laughs> which operates under fear and flight and freezing and, um, and fighting and bring us into a disposition spiritually where we are attuned to the reality of God's presence all around us and therefore to his own heart for the needs of the people around us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. I hope that helps yes. dip in a little bit to where you were, you were speaking of. No, absolutely. And I, you know, and I think the other point that you were making is kind of the dailiness of these, right? I mean, I think there's also this notion of putting yet again the notion of these spiritual disciplines into some kind of schedule. And I think it's the dailiness, the opportunities that if we look at kind of how we're engaging with the world, we could turn any encounter into an opportunity for giving. Um, I mean, I was thinking about moments when I've given, and it's also out of an expression of gratitude. And, and I was wondering, Sam, I mean, in terms of how you anchor giving, um, building on some of Andy's points, I, I just wonder about the, the dailiness of that. Because again, I do think that one of the challenges here is just that we are saturated, right, with um, kind of managing our lives in a way that gives us a sense of control, right? I remember speaking, having a conversation with somebody this week, and they were talking about the decisions that they're making for security, and I was really interested in, well, what do we truly mean by security, right? Well, what is security, right? I don't think the past year confirms the existence of any security, right? I think we can let that one go. So I, I just, I think there is this, as any said, this transactional expectation. It's almost as if we're feeding the tip jar, right? Kind of saying, let me build up my bank account here. So when things really go wrong or I do something horrific, or profoundly sinful. I've got enough brownie points accumulated that maybe, you know, net, net, I'll kind of come out on top. Um, and how do we get rid of that and, and kind of be in that moment and, and kind of the joyful, we touched on that too, right? The joyful aspect of this, the celebratory aspect of this, as opposed to 
which to me, giving can be an act of celebration as well. But I guess it's the dailiness, the, the nitty gritty that really intrigues me about, about giving. Um, you know, when we think about giving, the way I sort of approach it, uh, and I'll get to the dailiness of it in a minute, as you mentioned, is, you know, giving really shows us a very practical way of how we relate to God, right? Because as Andy mentioned, there is a, a false type of giving, right? And ultimately, we understand that to be, you know, from the example of the scriptures, those who give to sort of make themselves feel better and make themselves known to others that they're, they're, they're generous. Um, and what this does for us, um, sort of in the spiritual formation world, some of the things we'll say, and, and Tabby, you may have heard me say this before, is it helps reveal our functional image of God. Essentially, how we see God comes out in how we live our life. And in how we live our life, if we're giving in a way that is transactional, as Andy mentioned, right, um, it, it sort of reveals that maybe we, we actually see God as a transactional God. Right. So if, if I believe, or if I think, and maybe it's been taught to me, maybe I've, I've cognitive or intentionally thought it, I don't know. But if I believe that if I give, God will love me more, that reveals immediately deep flaws in our functional image of God. Because according to the scriptures, can God love us more? Certainly not. And so even in that little example, then you realize that one talking about this idea of, of being wary of why we give, you know, I call this the, like, uh, it's, a, it's like a consolational giving, right? We don't help the homeless except for, at least in America, being all Americans. At Thanksgiving, we go help at the, at the food shelter because we're going to have this big gluttonous meal and we want to give a little bit at Thanksgiving. Well, that, that's giving. It's still a good thing, but it's giving to make us feel better or it's giving to let other people know. Um, and so when it comes to giving as far as a, dis a discipline to Christ, like we're talking about in the dailiness, as you mentioned, it's getting away from sort of a utilitarian understanding of our purpose and relationship to God. We don't give as a chore. You know, Corinthians, of course, talks about being a cheerful giver. But it's not just something we say, okay, I'm trying to convince myself to be cheerful in this chore, right? Which is how most of us would see it. Okay, I have to do this. Now I have to learn to be cheerful. No, what we're saying is I need to understand who this God is. Because really deep down, if we understand that God cannot love us anymore, and Christ's sacrifice being the most generous, perfect example of that, then we are free to give, right? We are free to be generous because as a response and enjoy, right? And so as a daily understanding, many of us, especially how we grew up about function and about being useful, we need to get away from this utilitarian idea that this is why we exist that somehow we are these, these pawns of God accomplishing some goal, but rather as we believe, you know, the, the, the Westminster Confession of Faith says that, that God is to be enjoyed because God enjoys us. And, and that is a foundational element, I think, of, of the Christian life and generosity and giving. Can I, can I just make a little analogy here? You know, you know, chariots of fire, how um, Eric Little s says, you know, like, when I run, I feel God's pleasure, right? And I always laugh at that because I run, but I've never felt God's pleasure in doing so. Um, but, but that is, that is the way that, uh, we were designed, uh, when we are walking in the spirit and sensitive to God's spirit and aware of opportunities to be a blessing to others, um, 
And when I get that opportunity to, to meet a need, to give a cup of cold water, so to speak, in Jesus' name, um, it is supposed to be a thrill and a joy, a, a real delight for me to be able to do that. And, and the, the feeling, I mean, we, we are so uh, quick to dismiss feelings and the embodied nature of our spirituality, but there's a reason that it feels good to give because we are, we are doing so in the image of God and out of the pleasure of, of being God's own. Uh, and we're Im- because we're imaging him well, uh, we experience that delight. But when we, when we, uh, grit our teeth and say, Oh, I've got to put 10% in the offering plate. I think it's great to get put 10% in the offering plate, but it's supposed to be a delight and a joy. Right. And so, so, so much of these spiritual disciplines are really, are really at the heart level. Again, like we've been saying, they're apprenticing my heart to the heart of Jesus. If I can imagine Jesus giving, fasting, Sabbathing, um, I imagine him enjoying the pleasure of God as he images God in the world uh, in a profound but simple way. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting, the, your comments, particularly around kind of the embodying and the dailiness and your comment to Sam on homelessness. I remember when I was living in New York, um, I attended Trinity Church, and they decided that rather than the usual Thanksgiving fest, right, and people serving homeless, they invited 50 homeless people to sleep over in, in the church, right? And they had 100 cots. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to try to be helpful. And I remember, so 100 people sleeping in a darkened cathedral, and waking up at about three in the morning and hearing a hundred people breathing and the moon kind of coming through the stained glass, it was absolutely unbelievable. And I thought, you know what, this is entirely different as an experience from dishing out the candied potatoes and the, you know, the, the stuffing. And there was something quite intentional about the organization of that, that, you know, we are so removed from the reality of just having a bed to sleep on, right? And it was just, it just, it's really stuck with me as an experience that we all became kind of one in the middle of the night. There was no differentiating homeless or had a home, et cetera. And we actually ended up spending a lot of time with this group of 50, right? And kind of, Again, again, you mentioned the word, Andy, apprenticing, right? So it wasn't a matter of our doing, but actually asking questions, how can we be helpful, right? How, how can I be available to you in what capacity? And, it, I, you know, the stories that we heard were just, you know, incredible. So it gave me a whole new understanding of homelessness based on that, rather than these are people simply without a home. There was there was a lot of additional context. And I think the other thing, you know, in preparation to our session, I was looking through some biblical passages. And again, it resonated with what you both said. I just wanted to read it. It's John 14, chapter 27. Um, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. 
do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid, right? So again, it's that notion of in the world, but not of the world, right? And I think that's probably the, the, the squeezed faces. That's the difficulty, I think, right? It's kind of wanting to get it right. And I think wanting to kind of feel some directionality in what we're trying to do, but understanding that, you know, this is not a scorecard endeavor. Um, and, and I think uh, that's just, you know, maybe that's a matter of um, spiritual maturity. I don't know, you know, if, if you ever win the prize or if it's a matter of saying, you know what, I'm leaving myself open. I'm in God's hands. And, you know, as I feel moved and inspired, um, you know, I will, I will uh, react accordingly and so on. But I don't, again, I don't know if you have any, um, any, any experiences. And I guess I would love to hear from both of you because I, I think, it, you know, the listeners have enjoyed kind of the, the earthy stories that we've told, right? And any interesting examples over the course of your lives of giving, right? In a way that perhaps was not usual or maybe was, you know, very risky. I mean, I, I often ask myself, um, you know, does does this require us to be significantly more radical in our thinking, right? And and significantly bolder um, to kind of move into this area. And I, I just would love to hear from both of you if there are any stories or examples of giving that um, kind of in spite of yourself, they kind of unfolded hmm. in a way that, that was not part of what you had planned. I could give you one um, Several years ago, when I visited Barcelona for the first time, um, it didn't register to me that in Barcelona they don't speak standard Castilian uh, Spanish, but rather uh, uh, the Catalan dialect. And uh, so I, I went there trying to think of all the Spanish that I had remembered from high school, which wasn't very much of it. And then remembered, oh, shoot, it's not even going to work here. Um, one night I was... I was out really late and and went and I uh, got my dinner and I sat in front of the the big cathedral in the in the plaza there in Barcelona, not the Sagrada Familia, but the actual cathedral, and um, watched. Just people watched and enjoyed my dinner and the, enjoyed the, the serenity of the cathedral in, in the foreground. And um, and then uh, somebody came up to me, a young man came up to me and was speaking Spanish, Spanish that I could kind of understand. And and I thought, huh, I didn't expect to be able to understand anyone here, uh, but here we are. And um, he asked for some money for, for dinner. And um, my kind of normal policy is... I will, I will try to meet the, the need if I can, but I don't usually give out actual money. Um, and so I said, how about if I, let's find a restaurant or something and I can, let, let's get you some food and we can eat together. And unfortunately, the only thing, this is, a, this is pathetic, right? In Barcelona, but the only thing that was open at that hour was Burger King. <laughs> so we went over <laughs> to the Burger King and, uh, and I, I'm speaking with him. And, and what was crazy is that I had not had Spanish in a decade mm. and I certainly had never become fluent. And yet here I was recalling Spanish that I could, I was using on, on the spot, interacting with him. He was asking what I did. I told him that I was at the time, um, a, a pastor and living as a, a Christian school teacher in Korea. And he was asking me about, about, um, what it's like to, to have a relationship with God. And I was able to just kind of 
tell him what I thought was, was most important about that relationship in Jesus Christ in Spanish and, um, got him, uh, his pathetic Burger King meal. We walked back over to the cathedral and sat down for another 20 or 30 minutes and, um, enjoyed our, our French fries and Whoppers together and spoke whatever Spanish I could remember. And it turned out that he was from South America and was a, was a, uh, a Spanish, a, right, a sort of standard Spanish speaker. And that's why we could understand each other. But it just blew my mind that, that my sort of, um, readiness, uh, just to be open, to have a, a dialogue with somebody, mm. um, gave me an opportunity to bless him and, um, gave me an opportunity to, to speak of the love of Jesus to him in a language that I had barely used in a decade. And when the experience was over, I just thought, this is mind blowing. The, the, um, the the resourcefulness of God to sort of dip into this really shallow, I think, reservoir of Andy Steger and his abilities and his temperament and his, his skills and, and his generosity and just, meet a need spiritual and physical of this, of this, uh, young man. Uh, it was a thrill and it was, the, it ended up being the highlight of my, my trip. Uh, uh I, I want to have a life that is full of those kinds of stories. And that's why I want to cultivate and then encourage others to cultivate that spiritual awareness, that openness. What if I did open the door towards meeting a small need? I can't do everything for this guy. I couldn't put him up in a hostel for a week. I just didn't have the cash. Uh, but I could meet this one need and encourage him. Right. Anyway. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. I think for me, it's, it's not too far off of that as well. You know, when I, when everyone wrestles through these things at one time or another in their life, they sort of have these introspective moments. Right. And I remember thinking there was a time in my life, um, not too long ago, but I was in seminary and sort of wrestling through these ideas of, you know, how does the world see Christians? I had friends who were non-Christians. I had friends who were Christians who loved Jesus, but man, they didn't love the church. And we would have conversations, you know, about, you know, what do you think of the church? What do you think of Christianity? What do you think of Christians as, as people? You know, because they know I'm training to be a pastor. I'm, I'm actively working as a youth pastor. I'm like the one super religious person in the group, right? And everyone sort of looks to me. And so I remember asking them, um, you know, what, what, what do you think about Christians? And, and people would also men, always mention what Christians believe, right? The orthodoxy. They would mention Christmas and Easter. They would mention all the rules, you know, uh, immediately you go to, you know, well, you, you can't have sex unless you're married. You, you know, can't do drugs, can't do these things. And I realized at the time that very, very few of these responses were about how people lived. That very few people when, when thinking and, and, and talking about Christianity with me would mention things like giving and generosity. They would mention going to church. They would mention rules about moral living. But, but at the time, I don't remember anyone mentioning generosity. And as I read through the gospels, I see this overwhelming sense of giving and generosity from Christ and the disciples. And I remember asking myself, is, is generosity part of my life? Right? I mean, I, I sh- sure, I can have right belief. And that's really easy because that's just me. But when I read the Gospels, I see a giving that, that costs the disciples something, that costs Jesus something. You mentioned the John 14 passage. John 14 is phenomenal for so many reasons. But, you know, the, the, the dialogue, at least in chapter 14, starts out with, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. 
And so if, if he's going to prepare a place for us and he's leaving us with peace, then what we must remember, what I have to remember in my own life is that all I have, all my gifts, my time, my talents, my finances are simple, simply on loan from my creator. Even my, 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 my wife and my, my son, they're gifts from God. And so for me, the big shift came when I realized this and started looking at how can I just be generous, not tithe more, right? Not find more ministries to give to, but just simply be generous. And practically the way this looked mm-hmm. for my wife and I was we were blessed. And at the time, um, we had a home with a, a living room and that could, that could see a handful of people. And so what we just started doing was inviting people to our house who didn't have homes, who lived in small apartments, believers, non-believers, friends, acquaintances. And we would just call them kind of family dinners, you know, once or twice a month. It's just, hey, we're having people over. Sometimes people stood, sometimes people sat. But it was this idea. And then at the end of it, um, actually, before we moved here to Zurich, we were selling our home. And we had multiple people come to us, Christian, non-Christian, and just say, and it, quite honestly, that the family dinners we would have as friends were like a church to us. And we're so grateful for you guys. And that, to me, blew my mind. Right, it had nothing to do with necessarily right theology. It had nothing to do with me giving more to a ministry or a missionary overseas. And those are good things, by the way. Let me just say that giving of all kinds is good. But for me, it came alive when I began to practice generosity with things that I cherished. I cherished my alone time and my privacy in my house. And opening that up not only grew me, but then created a place for other people to not just know about what Christians believe, but hopefully just a glimpse of how Christians should probably live. Uh, And generosity to me was a huge, huge revelation in that, like I said, both individually for me, but then also in very practical day-to-day things. Exactly. Well, and I think the other thing you're um, both stating and implying, Sam, is that, you know, humility, there's a dimension of humility to that with the recognition that we are, we're a gift of God, right? And everything in our lives is a gift, right? So to some extent, it's everything is there to give, right? I mean, it's it's kind of we're in this kind of big, wonderful cesspool of opportunity to, to pass on, right? And to share. And it was interesting, I was listening to this commentator the other day who said, you know, he was observing, he felt, you know, we're getting pretty good at living vertically, but we're missing out on living horizontally. And he started to talk about community and just these gestures of kindness, right? Which, or the, gen, the, the generosity of acknowledgement, right? I mean, it doesn't even have to be an item, but being noticed, being acknowledged um, is, is just such a gift oftentimes, right? And I, I often find, for example, you know, a year ago I had to, I have a very old car and I needed to get it tuned up and so on. And, you know, you go into Zurich and I mean, it's really kind of high tech and they jiggle your car around and make sure things aren't going to fall apart. And, you know, my German vocabulary, my automotive German vocabulary is not up there. So the night before, you know, shock absorber, I'm studying, you know, all these words. And lo and behold, I get this wonderful mechanic who has impeccable English. And I said, you know, in the middle of this, I'm very nervous because obviously I want my car to pass the test. And, and, and I said, 
you know, your English is fantastic. And he just, it looked like he was a sunrise. He turned into this glowing being. And he said, do you think so? And I said, I know so. I'm an English speaker. And he said, well, I spent five months in San Diego and I really worked on it, but I never use it. He, for the rest of, I, I don't think he even cared about the car anymore, right? He passed it, but he said, thank you so much. Nobody ever acknowledges my English. And I said, well, you know, if you heard my automotive German, you would put me out of my misery and switch immediately to, to English. But I suddenly, as I drove away, I just thought, it's that, you know, I think for him, that was for the whole day, right? And and I just realized that when we notice things in people, and we're prepared to even offer up, I see you, right? And, and I hear you, and I notice you, and I appreciate you in whatever small ways. It's, it is these incredible kind of the ripple effect of that is just, just so powerful, right? And I hadn't even, I hadn't even thought about it. It was just, I was right. so grateful, right? His English was a gift to me, do you know? And I had to acknowledge that because I came in feeling, you know, sub-zero in terms of how this conversation was going to evolve. So just, I, I, I actually notice things like that more and more now. And I don't know if it's a reflection of just the way we're living, these commoditized you know, technologically enabled lives that we live, right? And so these moments of profound, vulnerable, selfless humanity become treasures. And I think for us to just remember that, but I think it means just a chronic state of humility. I think that's, it's just something I've been sitting with, right? Because I'm not sure that if we don't ground ourselves every day from that state of, of humble acceptance and humble joy, I think we just inadvertently filter out a lot. I don't know if, if either of you have a comment yeah. about that, but I, I almost feel that we have to be in a certain state of readiness to engage with these disciplines. And if we see them at the same level that we see the rest of our life, which is as activities, transactions, to-dos, checklists, blah, blah, blah. I think we just go down that, you know, that rabbit hole. Yeah. I just wanted to comment quickly on, you mentioned earlier dailiness. So this is a daily practice we're doing with generosity and giving, and it's a readiness. Right. Thing. Exactly. Right. Andy at the drop of a hat, um, going and getting Burger King with some guy in the middle of the night. And it's, it's fascinating that here we are three Christians wrestling through our faith, wrestling through what it means to be generous and giving. And, and all of our examples centered around relationship mm-hmm. and giving to another human being at a level of brothers and sisters in Christ, rather than, tithing or money. Um, And and it's just fascinating to me that all three of us have these thoughts centered around, as you mentioned, the horizontal Mm -hmm. relational to one another, rather than some, some facet of giving enough or a rule of, of, of financial giving, which to me seems of course, secondary to the relationship that God is calling us to. Right. Right. Exactly. As you were talking Tabby, the word that came to my mind is, is the biblical word of blessing which is thick and rich and ubiquitous in the Bible. And it's the opposite of cursing, right? And obviously it's something that's often done with the mouth, as in your example, you know, um, but often it's also um, resources. But again, like the, the disposition is what we're going for here is at the beginning of the day, could I consecrate myself and my day so that 
I live in such a way that my presence in whoever's life into which I wander today mm-hmm. is a blessing, that there would be no arguing about that question at the end of the day. And then, of course, at the end of the day, you can review your day and, and say, you know what? I was a little, I was, I was cursing a little bit here and cursing a little bit there, um, where I should have been blessing. And then you, and then you repent and you, the next day you wake up and you say, make my life a blessing so that I am giving more than taking so that, because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Right. Absolutely. No, that's a wonderful, wonderful comment that you both made. Um, Maybe in conclusion, and if you could just bring us to prayer, I just realized that uh, we've gone over a bit, but this has been such an inspiring conversation. Uh, it would, could easily be absolutely. Well, thank you. Bro. Yeah, thanks. Thank I'd be glad to. Now let us pray. Uh, giving and gracious Father, everything that we experience is out of the overflow of the abundance of your generous heart. And uh, we pray that you would make the three of us and everyone that's listening into people who, like our Lord Jesus, experience uh, generosity overflowing from our hearts and out into the lives of other people so that we become characterized as givers. We pray that the church around the world would be known for its giving nature because Giving is grace, and our whole, our whole spirituality is centered on your self-giving in Jesus Christ, who not only uh, atones for our sins and gives us his righteousness, but also gives us abundant life in him. Help us to experience the sweetness of that abundant life as abundance comes from our hearts and from our mouths and even from our hands and our wallets into the lives of the people around us, in our church family and beyond, so that something of the uh, effulgence of the radiance of your generous glory would be experienced by people here in our lives, and that you might have all the glory and that we might have great joy. Uh, Thanks for this conversation, and we pray that it would be a blessing to others. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you both. Thank you, Tabby. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Tabby. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, you bet.